Welcome to our first ever No Bias, Just Science podcast for inquisitive high school students exclusively on Spotify. My name is Anna and I am one of three awesome college kids who want to answer your burning questions about the brain with No Bias, Just Science. You're listening to episode number five. Now, let's get right into today's topic. Let's talk about language. What is language exactly? This may seem like a silly question, but there's a lot of information about our brain and how it processes and explores language in order to express ourselves. Language is a colossal topic and has so many subcategories and definitions that are involved in it. Words such as syntax, semantics, and phonology. Today, we're going to discuss some of these terms to help us get a better understanding of the language process and then delve deeper into some neurological disorders that hinder communication using a neuroscientific research study. Are you ready to learn more? Keep listening to find out. So let's get down to some of the basic definitions and terms that are related to language, phonology, syntax, and semantics. Phonology examines the specific sounds that are part of language and the rules that are put into play when using that particular language. For example, a phenome, part of phonology, is the smallest unit of sound and can display meaning. Now, syntax are the rules of grammar and how words are put together in a sentence. For example, in the English language, we use a subject plus verb plus object word order, while some other languages use a subject plus object plus verb sentence order. Finally, semantics deal with the meaning behind the words and how combining them can form these meanings. So these three terms, phonology, syntax, and semantics, are fundamental components of language. So now that we've become a little bit more familiar with these terms, how can we apply them to language into a more specific neuroscientific point of view? What parts of our brain are responsible for language and how does it work? Keep listening to find out. But before we get into the depth of today's question, we need to talk a little bit about the word of the day. This word is fundamental to the overall concepts of the question we'll be looking into, so it's important that we think about the word of the day in context to get the bigger picture. Today's word of the day is aphasia. This refers to the loss of the ability to comprehend or express our thoughts and feelings through language. This often results from damage to particular regions of the brain that help us communicate through language. There is a variety of different kinds of aphasias, each affecting different parts of the brain, and since we'll be discussing a research study about Broca's aphasia later in the podcast, let's get a little familiar with Broca's aphasia. This is a type of aphasia where people experience a loss of ability to produce spoken or written language. People with Broca's aphasia tend to have a great difficulty in producing words. Typically, language expression in particular is especially problematic. Interestingly, the comprehension of language remains pretty intact with people with Broca's aphasia, meaning that they actually understand what is being said to them. Today, I'd like to introduce you to a study conducted in 2017 by Damoth Woods et al. 
called A Neuropsychological Assessment of an 86-Year-Old Man with Broca's Aphasia, Complaining of Memory Difficulties. This study focused on an elderly participant with Broca's aphasia who had problems with his memory. The researcher's goal was to investigate his cognitive functioning level and to understand whether his aphasia had anything to do with it. The elderly gentleman had a history including a left middle cerebral artery stroke, which caused his Broca's aphasia, high frequency hearing loss, macular degeneration, and a recent hospitalization related to a fall. So this participant seems to have gone through a good amount of trauma. So what exactly can be causing his memory issues? Well, other than these issues we just described, he was actually considered to be a fully functioning member of society and engaged in complex activities. Such activities included preparing meals, handling finances, driving prior to his hospitalization, a daily use of public transportation such as ferries and buses, reading, writing, mentoring students, and managing his medication. He seemed to be a fully independent citizen and did not often burden his family. The researcher stated that although Broca's aphasia certainly can impair language production, it even plays a role in semantic processing that can include a verbal short-term memory, working memory, and even long-term memory retrieval. So it was found that the 86-year-old man had difficulty in rapidly shifting between altering concepts and seemed to have a higher level of executive deficits. So why was his memory giving him issues? While it was found that he was experiencing these memory problems and that they were actually associated with the verbal information, specifically because of two reasons. First of all, he wasn't processing new information well enough for it to be placed into his long-term storage after his stroke. And secondly, prior to his stroke, he seemed to have difficulty engaging in executive processes to retrieve old information from his long-term memory storage. So what could he do? The researchers suggested to the participant that he should carry a notebook to use his communicative drawings to indicate what he was trying to say, or if he was comfortable, he could type messages onto an electronic device. Researchers also noted that he regularly exercised, painted, mentored students, and continued to engage in social interaction, such as in his art studio and with his friends. Despite many difficulties he'd endured throughout his life, he did not allow it to interfere with his happiness and continue to engage in positive activities. Some other strategies he used was to continue to use a sort of routine and structure throughout the day to help with his memory, planning, and organization. He also made memory reminders, such as using a diary, phone, calendar, or to-do list. He always carried his phone and diary with him. Furthermore, he was also instructed to rehearse any new information he'd acquired. He was also told to reduce distractions when presenting new information, to give reminders and permits to assist in recall and recognition of information, and finally to correct errors as quickly as possible to avoid reinforcing mistakes. <laughs>
So, what did we learn today? So far, we've talked about language and what encompasses it, including syntax, semantics, and phonology. We learned about aphasia and how it refers to the loss of ability to comprehend our thoughts and feelings through language. And we were able to become familiar with a research study discussing how strongly people can be affected by some of these neurological disorders, more specifically, Broca's aphasia. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you like this podcast and want to hear more, please hit the follow button. Thank you so much for joining me in learning about the cognitive neuroscience behind language. Until then, we'll see you in the next episode. Remember, keep learning, keep reading, no bias, just science.